As we were worshiping tonight, I don't know why I was reminded of this, but have you ever been to the, the circus? Everybody, I'm sure we've all been to the circus. Have you ever gone before the circus? They kind of let you in sometimes, and you can see the animals beforehand, and you can walk down the little aisle and see the elephants and all that stuff. Remember, as, as a kid, we were, I was doing that, and uh, I noticed the elephant was tied to a little stake in the ground. This gigantic animal was tied with a rope to a stake in the ground. You ever seen that? that surely, that big old elephant can jerk that stake right out of the ground and do whatever else he wants to do. But they train elephants to stay tied to a stake in the ground because they, first of all, chain them to a tree that they can't pull up or pull out. And those elephants fight and they fight and they fight until they come to the place they're totally exhausted and they no longer fight. Then they chain them to something else they can't pull out of the ground. They fight again and they give up. Finally, they use a rope. The elephant doesn't fight nearly as long or nearly as hard. Finally, they tie the elephant to another post and eventually they tie the elephant to a stake in the ground and he doesn't even try to pull it up. The devil does the very same thing to Christians. He fights us and he wants us to quit. He wants us to give up. He wants us to be in the place that we've tried before and it didn't work or it didn't seem like it worked. And so we give up before we need to give up. When we talk about the subject of healing, a lot of Christians have tried to believe. And when they tried to believe for healing and it didn't seem like it worked, they quit and decided to go with some other doctrine or some other teaching. Listen, the word works when we work the word. Okay, the Bible says the word tried David. Is that, was it David that it tried? Whoever it tried. The word, no, the word tried Joseph. The word tried Joseph. We don't try the word. The word tries us. We need to understand that God's word is more true than anything else. We cannot allow the devil to tie us to a stake in the ground because we've quit. Because we've chosen to believe something that is easier to believe. We've been talking about the subject of Jehovah Rapha. And for, for several weeks we've begun with, with two passages of scripture in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15 and chapter 16. And in each of them it says the multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. They came to hear and to be healed. There's a connection. We've seen this over the past several weeks. There's a connection with hearing and healing. Hearing has everything to do with the subject of healing. <clears throat> the woman with the issue of blood, the scripture says, when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and dove and touched the hem of his garment. She had to have heard something to give her the faith to be out there unclean, diving in the middle of that crowd and touching Jesus. We must be hearers. So far, the goal of what I've been doing is I'm starting off talking about hearing, and then I'm going to give you something to hear as we go. Because we've got to latch on to what does the Word say. Because Jesus said, if you continue in my Word, he's talking about hearing and hearing and hearing. When you continue in my Word, you know the truth, and it's the truth that we know that makes us free. 
We've got to hear it and hear it. The Proverbs in, in chapter 4, verse 10 says, Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. We, we said we've got to receive the word. Not just to hear it, we've got to receive the word. The, 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 the Hebrew word for receive here is, is lakach, and it literally means to take. We have to take the word. It's not talking about passively hearing something. It's talking about intently hearing something and laying hold of it. That, that same chapter, verse 13, says, "Let it says, take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. Take fast hold. That means to courageously fasten upon and seize something. I mean, it's talking about using your strength to apprehend something. It's talking about an active participation with the word. We take it. We fasten upon it. We take it with all of the strength that we have. We choose the word over everything else. The Bible talks about that we are to, to keep her. The word keep means to guard or to watch over so as to not let it escape. We are to gain hold on the word with all that we have and not let it escape because the scripture says she is our life. We found out before that if we just hold on to it, that we have long life, the years of our life are many. If we do that, that, that chapter later on says, but the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. We've got to learn how to take the word. Sometimes it's hard sometimes to stay with it and stay with it. But if I know in my heart and I've received the word and I take it and I take it and I believe I receive what it says, ultimately it shines forth as it gets better. Jesus said, therefore, I say unto you what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have. The interesting part here is several parts, but he says, what things soever you desire, you will never continue to pray for anything you don't really desire. The desire is real key. We've got to gain that desire from the word of God. Then he said, when you pray, believe that you take it and you will have it. The scripture says, God hadn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. Sound mind means discipline or having self-control. We've got to discipline our minds to hear and hear the word of God. The devil will do everything he can to make you tired of hearing it. Because it seems like you're not getting any results. But we've got to be word-oriented and not result-oriented. And ultimately, we will have what the word says. We've got to hear it and hear it. The word that we continue to hear brings the belief, which is the taking. And then we can be like those people in Luke 5 and 6. We can hear and be healed. Hear and be healed. That sound mind brings faith. Fear is the opposite of faith. And that opens the door to all kinds of bad things. Proverbs 14.30 says, A sound heart is the life of the flesh. We've got to have a sound mind. We've got to have a sound heart. We've got to have sound teaching so we can have sound flesh. We, we, we just need that. The scripture says in 3 John verse 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. We've got to, our soul has to prosper. That's our mind, our will, and our emotions. As my soul prospers, the scripture says that I'm going to prosper in my health as much as my soul is prospering. Amen. As much as my soul prospers, that's how I'm going to prosper in my health. Mm -hmm. 
My soul has to prosper. The only way my soul can prosper is I've got to be, I've got to be, I've got to be a person of the word, having the word be a part of my life. We've we got to keep our eyes on what we're supposed to have our eyes on. We're supposed to watch what he told us to. Now that brings us to our text here. This is the master text we've looked at. Exodus 15, 26. If you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments, keep all of his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. God has not changed. We've looked at this every week so far. This is part five of the series. We know that when he says, I am the Lord that healeth thee, the, the, the Hebrew says that he is, uh, he is Yehovah Rapha. He is the Lord, our healer. He is Yahweh Rapha. It's the compound name for God. He doesn't say, I was the Lord, your healer. I'm only going to be the Lord, your healer for a certain period of time. I am the Lord, your healer. God always is, I am. He never is, I was. The scripture says that he can't change. The Lord will never change. If he was healer to them, he is healer to us. We have a better covenant than they did. He is the healer. We have all that they had and we have more because of the blood of Jesus that was offered one time for all time. He is the Lord, our healer. We need to get that deep in our spirits. If he is the Lord, our healer, if he changes not, he's still the Lord, our healer. Jeremiah 17, 14 says, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for thou art my praise. We've seen over the weeks there's a connection with healing and forgiveness. They're part of the same redemption package that Jesus purchased for every one of us. When his blood was shed, he not only shed the blood for us to get to go to heaven, he shed the blood for us to be healed and for heaven to come to us in this life. That's part of the covenant. That's what he did. We've read every week Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. It's plural. Then he lists some of them. The first two are who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. And Amplified says it this way. Who forgives every one of all your iniquities, who heals each one of all your diseases. The scripture is, is telling us that God is, the benefit of being in the family of God is that he forgives every one of my sins. I mean, everybody agrees with that one. Anybody that's a Christian does. We know that he does. The second half of the verse is as true as the first half of the verse. If he, if, listen, if he doesn't heal all, he doesn't forgive all. It's important that we realize that. Either the verse is true or the verse is not. Yeah, but what about my experience? Well, I know people who, who they haven't received the forgiveness. I know people who, who, who heard the message and rejected the message. They, they've even gone forward. They've even been dunked in the water, but still rejected the forgiveness. They, they lived their whole lives frustrated with, with the subject of forgiveness. So he, he already forgave them. He's already provided for our healing. I know this. As, 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 as a preacher, as a teacher of the word, I'm really in the minority. Most Christians don't even believe it's the will of God to heal one, much less heal all. Most people don't, most Christians don't believe that. Most Christians are like, well, hopefully, maybe, if, it, if, if, I, if I'm one of the lucky ones. Listen, forgiveness always seems easier to us because it's easier to believe because I, I can't see that. I can't feel that. 
healing is visible and you can feel what's going on. But the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by what we feel. We walk by faith, not by what we touch, taste, or smell. We walk by faith, not by sight. Four times the scripture, three of them in the New Testament, says that the just shall live by faith. We live by, it's not by what I can see, hear, taste, touch, or smell. It's what did God say? The word faith simply means to be sold out on something, to give absolute credence to a thing. We give absolute credence to the word of God. Our faith has to be, has to be in the revealed will of God from his word. You can't have faith in something you've never heard can't have faith in it. The only way we can have faith is to have heard the word of God. So that's what we're doing. We're putting out the word because we want faith to rise in our hearts. So far, we've seen there's this connection between healing and forgiveness. We looked at the passage in Luke where Jesus asked, which is easier? Speaking of forgiveness and healing, they dropped the man through the roof and Jesus, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you. The Pharisees got mad at him. And the scribes and all the, the snarky preachers, and they all got mad at him. And he says, well, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say take up your bed and walk? I love this passage. But just so you'll know that the Son of Man, not the Son of God, the Son of Man has authority in the earth. I say take up your bed and go to your house. And he got up and it says they were amazed. It would be, be kind of an amazing thing to be there hating the guy you're listening to preach and all of a sudden that guy gets healed. What do you, what do you have to gripe about now? <laughs> Man. But he said, which is easier? We saw then that, that, they, that Moses held up the snake on the pole. Everybody who looked at the snake got healed, was forgiven. They saw it. They gazed intently at it. Jesus said, as Moses <coughs> lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. All who look to him are healed and forgiven. It's, it's a package deal. And we need to get that in our heart. If we could learn how to believe healing, just like we believe forgiveness, I'm going to tell you, we'd see all kinds of miracles. We've been taught the wrong thing for so long. We've been made, made to think those are two separate things. I mean, we just had to look at that. Last time we were together, we looked at the, at the context of Exodus 15 and saw the Lord allowed no harm to come on the people because of the bitter water. We saw that, 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 that God not only healed the water, but healed them and helped them. And we saw that demonstrated throughout the rest of, uh, of some other passages of Scripture in the Old and New Testaments. So now we're going to look at it a little bit, more, a little bit more. But I'm gonna, before we go any further tonight, I'm going to settle a couple of things. First of all, Jesus is God. I uh, hope we all agree with that. All right. Jesus, Jesus said this. I say unto you before Abraham was, I am. Jesus, I, that made those people mad. Because he said, I am, I am. Jesus is God. He's the son part of the Holy Trinity. He is God. I mean, you got to know that one. I love it. They came to Jesus in the garden. And Jesus said, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am. 
And they all fell down. <laughs> because I am was in the garden. And you know, man, I've been in some services where I am was present and people fell down. And they weren't in service. They were on the wrong side of the deal here. Jesus is God. Now, that's number one. Number two, Jesus only did and only does the exact will of the Father. Nothing else. That's all he does. Jesus said in, in John 6:38, For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus is God. All that Jesus does and says is God and agrees with the Father. We all go with all this so far. Because it's important we agree with what we, we get this part before the rest of the song will work as well. All right? He is God. He does the will of the Father. Number three, Jesus will not, cannot change. Can't change. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is always the same. Will never be different. Meaning, the same Jesus of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the same Jesus of right now. He has not changed will not change, cannot change. All right? Number four, Jesus, he is God. He is not a respecter of persons. The Bible says in Acts 10.34, God is no respecter of persons. So what Jesus did in the Gospels, he does today. What Jesus does for one who meets the conditions, he will do for all who meet the same conditions. He is not a respecter of persons. He doesn't like one person better than another. Anyone, anyone who fulfills the criteria, whether they were in the pages of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or in the streets of Lubbock, Texas, he does the same. We all agreed on those four things. Okay, I think we are. Y'all didn't shake your head as, as, as affirmatively as I thought you should, but that's all right. All right. Okay, let's, let's look at a couple of things. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. The scripture says this, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. The scripture says that he's the Father of mercies. The word is plural. In other words, there's more than one mercy. We talk about benefits. We're going to talk a little bit about mercies. It's plural. There's more than one Mercy, more than one benefit. There's mercy for forgiveness. There's mercy for healing. There's mercy for provision. He's the father of mercies. Mercies, more than one. Titus 3, even though we used to sing this one back in the 70s, verses 5 and 6, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior the Bible says we are saved according to his mercy he's the father of mercies we're saved according to his mercy the word saved here is the Hebrew the Greek word sozo which is to heal to make well, to be whole, um, to rescue. It's really talking about rescue. 
If I was going to tell you the theme of the Bible, I'll tell you the theme of the Bible is rescue. God rescued us from our sin, from our sickness, from the curse. We have been saved by, according to his mercy, according to his mercy, we have been rescued, delivered, made well, made whole. Now, let me connect this with this. The woman that came to Jesus with the issue of blood, I've already mentioned her once, she came to him. She had an issue of blood. She dove in the crowd, touched the hem of his garment. She, was, she felt immediately that, that she was healed. Jesus, you know, the story turns and who touched me? They said, everybody's touching you, Jesus. What are, what are you talking about? He said, no, no, somebody touched me because I felt virtue flow out of me. He saw the woman and said she could not be hid. <clears throat> she told the whole story. And he looked at that lady and he said, your faith has made you whole. The word is sozo. Your faith, he literally said, your faith has saved you. Mercy healed her. I think we can agree with that. Mercy saved her because we're saved according to his mercy. So let me make a really bold statement here right now. From what I just said, we can connect some things. If it's not God's will to heal all, it's not God's will to have mercy on all. They're connected. He told her that her faith saved her. We find that we've been born again. We've been, I mean, sorry, we have been, we have been saved according to his mercy. He's the father of mercies. So I just want to connect some dots here for us. Sometimes we have this idea that mercy is this this isolated event, or we have this idea that healing is only for the lucky ones, or that healing only works if you're on the mission field. The scripture tells that we've been saved according to his mercy. Jesus told Bartimaeus, he said, your faith hath saved you or made you whole or sozo. They're all the same to Jesus. They're exactly the same. He said, which is easier, not which is harder. So I'm going to look at some verses from Matthew chapter 9. The first part of that verse, that chapter, starts with that story we read out of Luke about Jesus and them lowering the guy down through the roof and they're all mad and they called, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you. All the religious leaders, they called Jesus a blasphemer. Now that's just beyond thought, right? That Jesus is talking. And he said, your sins are forgiven you. They said, you are a blasphemer. And Jesus said, well, let's just figure it out then. Which is easier? And he tells the guy to get up and walk. I mean, they didn't like Jesus. He was messing up their religion. They had their whole system going. I mean, they had the pecking order. Jesus comes. People are flocking to him and not to them. They're mad at him. They're trying to find a reason to not like him. You know, he's healing on the Sabbath. That just can't be right because nobody does that. He's doing this stuff. They're fine trying to find. He, he, he came a different way. And their status quo, man, I mean, their status quo is all messed up. He's flipped over their apple cart. Whatever he's doing, their religion is, is, is no longer relevant. All right, Jesus, man, he, he makes them understand that healing and forgiveness are the same and that it's all a part of the package. Now, let me just stop and say this. Just because I haven't received a manifestation or just because I haven't seen it or I haven't felt it yet doesn't mean it's not real. Because I'm going to tell you right now, there's no one in this room who lives a life of symptom-free righteousness. 
I mean, if we're basing it on the symptoms, many, many in this room, we have glaring symptoms of being unchristlike. Glaring symptoms. I mean, <clears throat> that doesn't mean that you're not forgiven. Doesn't mean you're not the righteousness of God in Christ. Just because you have a symptom doesn't mean it didn't work. Doesn't mean it didn't take. We have this idea that I have to I have to feel it all the way through. I'm going to tell you something. If it's based on what I can see, you could watch me day in and day out, and you're going to find out that some days you can't tell I'm forgiven by what you see. <laughs> I mean, Tammy said a big amen. I don't know if you heard it or not. <clears throat> I mean... I mean, it's, it's not based on what I can see and what I can feel. It's based on what I know the Scripture says. It's based on His mercy. His mercy. Listen, healing is exactly the same. That's why Jesus said, which is easier? Which is easier? Because it's all a part of the same mercy. I mean, we've got to come to the place, as I said already, that we have the same kind of faith for healing that we had for forgiveness. We see him as a part of the package. We got to believe that we've received, in spite of what we can can touch, in spite of what we can feel. All right, it's all the same to him. Now I'm gonna get down to verse nine of Matthew, verse twelve of Matthew chapter nine. Now the Pharisees, I mean, he he does this deal, then he goes and he eats with the sinners. Now the Pharisees are now they got something. Okay, now they're talking bad about Jesus. You know, I, I wish Jesus was alive today. And when CNN followed him around, <laughs> he could just say some stuff, you know? They, they, they sent people to Jesus from time to time, and they wanted to catch him in his words, the scripture says. They're waiting for him to say something wrong. He never said anything wrong. He only said what he heard the Father say. He only, man, Jesus, that's what I want to do. Say what you say. <laughs> But they're, 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 they're mad at him now because he eats, eats, with the, eats with the sinners. In verse 12, it says, Jesus says, Then Jesus, when Jesus heard that, he said to them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go you and learn what meaneth. Now he's quoting God. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I'm not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I will have mercy. Here's something about mercy. You don't need mercy if you do everything right. If you do everything right, you can get by on justice. I mean, you don't need mercy. Now, anybody here can go get by on justice. No, I don't think that's going to happen. We need mercy. Sin deserves death. The wages of sin are death. We need mercy. Sickness, as we talked about in another, another meeting, sickness is the offspring of death and sin. Sickness, we said, is incipient death. We need mercy. Or death is what's going to happen. All right? Most people, everybody that I know, we don't want the bad thing that we deserve. We do want to receive the good thing that we can never deserve. I was watching a commercial the other night, and it said, get the credit you deserve. Yeah. <laughs> really? I owe a debt to God that I could never repay. 
It's impossible for me to pay the debt. He paid the debt that he never owed. If I got the debt, if I got the credit that I deserved, that's hell. That's death. That's eternal separation from God. I mean, I don't want what I deserve. I want mercy because I can't, I can't make it on justice. I mean, I want the goodness of God. I want the blessing of God. I've heard people, I've heard people, they're talking about going through a tough time and they go, well, I don't deserve this. No, you deserve worse than that. We all deserve worse than that. What did I ever do to deserve this? No, everything you did other than make Jesus the Lord of your life. I mean, we, we deserve it. We deserve death. He said, I'm bringing mercy. I need mercy. We need mercy for forgiveness, right? We need mercy. we got to have it. Later on that chapter, down in verse 27, it says, When Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying, saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us two blind men here they are they're following him and they're saying son of david that means messiah they're calling him messiah they're saying son of david have mercy on us now that's interesting they're asking for mercy mercy is what they're asking for they these two guys they believed that jesus was able to heal them They weren't quite sure if it was his will to heal them because they're asking him for mercy. They're wanting mercy. When we question his will, we can never be in faith. Let me repeat that. If I'm questioning his will, I can never be in faith. I can only believe what I know is his will. Faith begins where the will of God is known. For example, if I know that the Word says something, I know that's His will. Okay? I can believe His Word. Somebody told me one time, they said, well, that's just man's interpretation of what that verse says. I said, really? Just just read it. What do you think it says? By His stripes we were healed. So what, what do you think that means? Oh, I think it's spiritual healing. I said, no, no. The first half of the verse talked about, about, about forgiveness. The second half talked about physical healing. And this particular lady, I said, let's look at Matthew. We look in Matthew and we saw where that verse was quoted when Jesus healed the sick. I said, see, it's talking about healing here. If the Bible says it, this is what I know about God. He says what he means. He means what he says. Oh, the Bible. It, it, it's such a book of mystery. No, it's not. We got a whole book called Revelation. It's saying this is the revealed thing of Jesus Christ. It's the, the mystery is in us trying to make it be something that it's not. These guys, they're asking for mercy. They don't even know. They're, they're trying to figure out if, the, if Jesus wants to heal them or not. You see, if I don't know it's his will, if I don't, if I don't understand it's his will, then I can't be in faith for it. Listen, I sincerely believe tonight that if Bill Gates wanted to give me a million dollars, he could do it. I can't really be in faith for that because Bill Gates has never told me he was going to give me a million dollars. 
Okay, but if Bill came to my house and said, I'm going to give you a million dollars, I would get pretty excited. I could believe it if I knew it was his will. See, listen, you can be in faith all night tonight that I'm going to come over your yard tomorrow. But you are wasting your time. <laughs> okay, because that's not in my will. And if, and if I don't know the will of someone... I can't be in faith for what they would say. These guys believed he could heal them. But just believing he can isn't going to get you healed. You've got to believe that he will. What is his will? This, these guys came and they asked for mercy. Now let me step back to what I said earlier. If we say healing isn't for all, then we're saying mercy isn't for all. Let me connect this with another story. Mark chapter 1. And there came a leper to him, beseeching and kneeling down to him, saying unto him, If you will, you can make me clean. Here's what he says. Now, I know you can. I just don't know if you will. I know you can. I just don't know if you will. I don't know if you will. So, so here he is. He's believing that he can, but believing that he can isn't getting him healed. Believing that he can in the same thing is believing that he will. All right? I love the next verse. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it the way most people teach it. And Jesus, to prove that he was the Son of God, put forth his hand and touched him. That isn't what the Bible said. And Jesus, to demonstrate his power, so his disciples would know that he was the Son of God, reached out and touched him. That ain't what the Bible said. Here's what it says. And Jesus moved with compassion. Compassion is another statement for mercy. The word mercy literally from the Greek means to compassionate. Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and said unto him, I will. Be thou clean. Listen, Jesus didn't heal him to demonstrate his power. He healed him because he had compassion. Jesus had mercy. There is healing mercy. There is forgiveness mercy. He had compassion. The word compassion is an interesting word in the Greek. It literally means to move on the inside. To move on the inside. It actually means to have the bowels yearn. It's an interesting word if you just think about it. Listen, when your bowels yearn, you move on the inside. You move, listen, you move on the inside, and the movement on the inside makes you spring into action. All right? So the Holy Spirit knew exactly what he's doing when he said this word. Here's what the word means. Here's what it's talking about. The word means that there's a moving on the inside regarding the need and the hurt of another person that causes action to be taken on their behalf, bringing a solution to the problem. Jesus was moved on the inside. I mean, Jesus, Jesus is seeing this guy. And he said, if you will, you can. And I mean, Jesus had a bad case of the I can't help it's. He was moved on the inside. And he did something about the man's hurt. Every time the Gospels speak of Jesus' compassion, every time, people were healed. 
They were delivered. They were rescued. Because Jesus had compassion. I love it. He says, I will. And wait a minute. We already said, Jesus is the same. And he is not a respecter of person. His I will cannot change. It is true forevermore. I will is what he said to the man. If it's your will, if it's your will, you can. Jesus said, I will. Listen, he finalized it for me. See, the traditions of men can change. Theologies can change. People can change the word to meet their own experience and develop traditions that are contrary to the word of, what, of God and what Jesus said. Jesus said, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition. When we get a tradition that violates and contradicts the word, it makes it not work for us anymore. When we're out here believing that, that he doesn't, no longer has compassion, that he no longer has mercy, that somehow he's less merciful today than he was in those days, we, we, we nullify the truth that we're hearing from the word tonight. We can't nullify it. Just because my experience says something different, I cannot make the word fit my, 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 my experience. I must demand the experience change to fit the word because it's the word that's true. He is the same. He is no respecter of persons. Jesus is always the same. Always the same. We've got to understand, Jesus did this as a man. He didn't do it as, as, as God. The scripture in Philippians chapter 2 tells us that he divested himself of all that heavenly, heavenly, heavenly personage. He, he made himself of no reputation. He became a man. He did all that he did as a man to show us how to do it. He didn't say, he didn't say, I will. Touched him, made him clean, and then look at the disciples and go, no, no, y'all don't try this. No, Jesus was showing those guys how to do it. And they did the same things that Jesus did. <coughs> He's showing them how to do it. The Bible says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all the oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Can I just tell you something? If you're doing it as God, you don't need to be anointed. Because you're God. You don't have to get anointed because you are it. All right? Jesus had a need for the anointing of the Holy Spirit because he operated as a man. He, he always did that. I love it. The scripture says this in, in Matthew chapter 14. It says, And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude. Now, a multitude is, is at least a thousand people. It's generally thousands of people. There was a great, this wasn't a regular multitude. This is a great multitude. I don't know how many people that is. It was, it was a great multitude of people and was moved with compassion toward them. And he healed their sick. I mean, here he is. Thousands of people. Why did he heal them? To prove he's the Son of God? No, he proved it because he had compassion. He had mercy. I mean, he has mercy on those people. And he heals them. He was moved. The, his insides began to move. And he was compelled to do something about their suffering. He healed them all. I really like this. I mean, if he's proven that he's the Son of God, he doesn't have to heal them all. Just take the hardest three or four and, and get those done. I mean, I, 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 surely there is one, at least one unlucky person in the multitude that doesn't get healed. Surely, surely somebody doesn't deserve it. Surely, surely somebody didn't follow the, the seven principles of faith. Surely somebody messed up in that group. No, no, Jesus had compassion and he healed them 
all had to be God's will to heal them. Why would Jesus heal somebody that God made sick? Why would he heal somebody that it wasn't the will of God to heal? He healed them all. There's mercy for healing. Man, the next chapter in Matthew 15, it says, And great multitudes, not just a multitude, multitudes. I mean, this, is, this could be 10,000 people. Great multitudes came to him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. All of them. I mean, thousands of people. Surely there was an unlucky one in the crowd. They were maimed. I mean, we're talking about people who grew their fingers back, their legs back. Whatever they were missing, they were maimed. I mean, they were lame. They could walk again. They're all there. It says, insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to behold, the lame to walk, the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. Now, when did they start glorifying him? When those people got healed. I will never forget... When I went to see Catherine Kuhlman as an 18-year-old young man, I'm telling you, that scripture is me. I was amazed. I wondered. My eyes had to be as big as saucers. I mean, I was seeing people fall on the ground. I'm seeing people that were healed. I'll never forget her looking up in the balcony. I don't know how many of you were there. She looked up in the balcony and she said, You in the red dress. The Lord is healing you of cancer. And that lady began to scream and she came down and I mean she was dancing and moving like she had never danced and moved before because God touched her and God healed her. I mean, I'm telling you, it, it does it does make you wonder. It's a sign and a wonder because you wonder. It's like, wow, I wonder how that happened. <laughs> and all those things happened. God got glory from it. And then the very next verse after that it says, Then Jesus called the disciples to him and he said, I have compassion on the multitude. I got compassion because they continue with me now these three days and have nothing to eat, and I will not send them away fasting, lest they faint in the way. Now, you know the story. Jesus now feeds the multitude with a few loaves and a few fish. Why did he feed them? Why did he multiply the loaves? To prove he's God? No, no, because he had compassion on these people. He had compassion on them. In his ministry, we can see there was forgiveness mercy. There was healing mercy. Now there's provision mercy. He's providing for them just because he's moved. Compassion is not intellectual. It's on the inside, and it moves people. And man, it moved in Jesus. He is the same. He is not unmoved. Let me just say this. He is still moved by compassion. I can hear it. Yeah, well, if he's still moved by compassion, then why are you doing something for me? Why, did, why don't you do something for me if you have compassion? Well, here's your answer. He's already done something. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He's already given his son. The solution is already in place. He has to be received. Isaiah 53 says, Surely he has borne our griefs. Sickness, 
weaknesses, distresses, and carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. Those are past tense. Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, afflicted by God as if, as if with leprosy. And he was wounded, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed and made whole. He's already done it. He's born. He's carried. He was wounded. He was bruised. He was striped. And we are healed and made whole. We have to learn how to receive his compassion. Hebrews 4, verses 15 and 16. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. It's saying we, we don't have this high priest who isn't moved. He is moved. He is moved with compassion. He is moved with mercy. But was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Here's the key here. Let us, therefore. Therefore, therefore is therefore the reason that we have this high priest that's in this place that we can come to. Therefore, let us come boldly. This isn't talking about arrogance. This is talking about confidence that the blood has done its job. Come boldly to the throne of grace that we may what? Obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. He is moved. The grace is there. The mercy is being poured out. We come to obtain it. I hear people say stuff like this. Well, let's just bombard the gates of heaven till we get an answer. Why would you go to the gates? Why don't we go further in than that? Why don't we go to where the throne is? And why would we bombard it? We're on the same team. We can walk straight through the gates. By faith, we come into the throne room. Right there. We're there. We come boldly into the throne room. We find grace. We obtain mercy. It's already been done. I'm telling you, mercy is available. He is moved. If he doesn't heal all, he doesn't have mercy on all. He is moved. Moved with compassion. Mercy is ours. It's already ours. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, tonight, I thank you for mercy. Lord, we've already confessed in this room that not one of us can make it on justice. We need mercy. We need mercy for healing in our bodies. We need mercy for forgiveness. We need mercy for provision. We need your mercy tonight. Lord Jesus, we know you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Your mercy is poured out upon us right now. Lord, I believe that we receive it. I believe it's ours to have tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.